This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better. Welcome back to Life Made Better, the podcast where we interview interesting people that inspire us and so we can learn from their story and challenges. I have known Shola 22 years, as that is how long I have been with my husband, and Shola is one of his best friends. I wanted to interview Shola as I have always admired him for his qualities. He is an inclusive, thoughtful, loyal, kind, and caring man. Anyone that meets him describes him as a lovely person. It is rare to meet someone that everyone is so openly positive about, and this, in my opinion, is because he lives by his values. My husband always says when you walk around his community, everyone knows him, from the old to the young and people from any walk of life. Thank you for joining us today, Shola. Thank you for having me. So can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Of course, yes. And, and I've, first to say, I'm honoured to be here. What a fantastic introduction you've given me. And I just hope I can do you, uh, do you good credit. So... To begin, I'm a product of the Windrush generation, born in the early 70s to um, African and Caribbean parents who actually met here in the 60s. I was born in uh, Greenwich in London, um, but at the age of five, uh, we moved as a family to Croydon. I spent the majority of my life growing up in South London. As you mentioned, I met Richard at college and subsequently um, Fleur not long after. I've been working in the telecoms industry for roughly 10 years. I'm married, got two beautiful sons, and I'm a big fan of football. Uh, and I support, if not the greatest, uh, one of the greatest clubs in the world, West Ham United. <laughs> I don't think Rich would agree. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly not. Good <laughs> to get that out of the way, though. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> Shola, where do you think you get these strong values from? I'd have to say I was fortunate enough to um, have uh, what I consider to be two of the strongest women I know supporting me throughout my life. That would be my mum and also my nan. So uh, I don't know whether you guys are aware, but yesterday marked 72 years uh, when the first ship, uh, which was the Empire Windrush itself from Jamaica in the Caribbean to the UK in Essex. Uh, My mum and my nan weren't actually from... um, uh, Jamaica, but um, they're from Guyana, uh, which is an island obviously in the Caribbean. Due to the um, shortage of labour, obviously after the war, uh, they were invited as British. Um, well, at the time, Guyana had been colonised, um, so they were invited to the UK to work and help what I would consider to to rebuild the country here. You know, they worked really, really hard. They were very industrious. Uh, and although we didn't have much as a family, um, I was always given uh, the love and the support in terms of what I needed to help me grow as an individual. That is beautiful, Shola. And I can I can totally hear that in your voice, that love that was passed on to you and installed in you. And what a beautiful gift it was, to be honest. So, Shola, obviously you mentioned that you grew up in South London uh, and you know, with everything that is happening right now with the Black Lives Matter movement and you being part of this community, 
you know, we're curious to know how has this been for you? It, it's been good um, because it's been highlighted. Um, you know, we're having uncomfortable conversations, but there's open dialogue, which is really, really good. And it needs to be had with regards to racism. I, I've got support from uh, lots of different friends and it is good to see that organisations and governing bodies um, are doing the same thing. I do have concerns about some elements of society uh, using it to divide and drive hatred between the, you know, the black and the white community. On the downside, obviously, I've seen you know, lots of negative comments on social media trying to discredit the organisation. Um, you know, there's lots of things. Everybody's talking about all lives matter from a certain element of, 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 of society. And of course, you know, everybody's life does matter. But at the moment, we are specifically talking about black lives and how people have been oppressed for, for hundreds of years. The, the reason it's come to the forefront today, not because there was a, you know, a, a very sad slaying of an individual 4,000 miles away, but because here in the UK, there's been, you know, systemic racism um, going on for a long period of time. And it has brought up a lot of ill feeling. And I think you raise a really good point. And obviously, you know, there's no hiding from it. Flair and I are white women. Um, and as such, we are. Uh, we have privileged. And I am totally with you when you say all lives matter. But at this moment in time, is all about Black Lives Matter. Because I also seen somewhere, I can't remember where, but several posts that say in not all lives matter until black lives matter. And I think that's the whole point about this, mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, you guys have, have been discriminated and have been part of that community that the world has turned the back on without reason. And mm -hmm. now is that time that for all of us, especially the white privileged people, to come together and start to listen and start to learning and start to realise and kind of dig or at least be curious into what can we do? How can we help? Absolutely, yeah. And, and you talk about learning there. And I, I believe, you know, it is about education. Uh, and it's education from, you know, from young through to old people. Uh, and it's about being able to have intelligent conversations without having, having the divide, you know. I, th I think from my perspective, it, it's great that, People are sympathetic, but I also like to see people being more empathetic, if anything, uh, you know, because racism is seen by individuals um, through a particular lens. And, you know, as a white individual, you may not see it through the lens of a black individual. And sometimes you need to be empathetic and put yourself in that person's shoes to really understand what it feels like. Even when you talk, then I could feel my you know, the feeling in my gut of the sadness that that is still happening. And I think you're right, as a white person, you don't realise it because you don't actually have to experience it. And unfortunately, as human beings, we're not good at understanding something unless we really experience something. So I think if people can just think about a time when they've been talked down to or not been able to... Um, feel good about themselves just imagine how that could feel if that was happening to you on a regular basis just because of the color of your skin mm -hmm. absolutely Fleur. i couldn't agree more you know a lot, a lot of the time like you say you, you you grow up in an environment where you you, you may be socially challenged or you, you know you may be at a disadvantage 
Um, and that's not a bad thing, you know, sometimes that brings the best out in people, but rightly so, you know, when you are kind of disregarded or, you know, comments are made just by the colour of your skin, you go through days or weeks where you continue to kind of turn the other cheek and, you know, try not it to, to try to not let it affect you. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult. So um, I'd rather be in a place where you wouldn't have to deal with that. But um, the reality is, unfortunately, that, you know, it still happens today. Yeah, and I, I heard someone say yesterday, imagine all the challenges that you already have and then add that, add racism to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So do you feel that you've experienced specific racism? Are there times when you felt racially discriminated against, like really specific incidents? Yeah, there have been a few. Like you say, I, I grew up in South London, um, growing up, you know, late 70s, early 80s. Um, and there, there were times on, you know, many occasions where I'd be um, stop searched by police on multiple, multiple occasions, you know. So I might just be coming home from a night out with friends uh, on my own, um, be close to home, and then a police car would pull over and um, ask me, you know, questions about where I've been, where I'm coming from. And it would usually take the same kind of, the same kind of route of questioning. So uh, there'd, there'd been a crime committed in the area, you fit the description, you know, that sort of thing. So um, that was frustrating, but uh, you, you kind of learn to live with it and deal with it. Um, but as a young, you know, teenager growing up, well, I also realised that, you know, this wasn't happening to my, my white peers. Um, so it was a bit frustrating. There are also times as well where uh, I grew up on a council estate um, and the National Front was actually quite prevalent um, during the kind of early 80s. So they would regularly post hate mail through our door. <laughs> and um, there were instances where sometimes we get into um, arguments with the neighbours' uh, kids. And also as I got older as well, sometimes racism became a little bit more covert rather than being overt. So, for instance you might want to hail a taxi, you get in a taxi and you'd be asked to pay your fare up front. And generally, you know, you would get to your destination and, and pay the taxi driver. Um, but as a black male, you know, a lot of the time it was, well, you need to pay your money up front, otherwise I'm not going to take you to where you need to get to. So instances like that, you, you realise it's happening, but there's nothing that you can really do about it. So you just live with it. I feel like you've been a good person, though, that you've always kind of shined your light and not reacted to that kind of behaviour, not lowered yourself to that behaviour. I've always kind of put it in my mind or, or, or reframed it in my mind to think it's not that individual's fault. Maybe they're just ignorant about the situation and haven't had the opportunity to, to maybe be educated by somebody or have a, an open, intelligent conversation. So. I've always kind of said to myself, if, if, if I have the ability to affect just one person at a time, change that one person's mindset to make them see that actually because of the colour of my skin, that's not a bad thing, then I'm not going to move mountains, but we're just helping to, to, to make another individual a better person or see something in a different way. And I think you just raised a very important point there, Shola, because... All it takes sometimes is just having that conversation, is that approaching that other person and trying to understand where they are coming from and just let yourself be a bit open-hearted and 
enlightened by the fact that somebody else might be living a different life or might be completely different to what you have imagined they were, which I think is one of the key players here that most of the people speak out of fear, speak out of the unknown and speak out, you know, from judgmental thoughts that have been installed in their in themselves without even questioning whether that's right or wrong and just having that conversation as you were saying can break down those barriers and I think you know what that's one of the reasons why we are so grateful that you're coming today to kind of help <laughs> drive that conversation but I think you were I'm not going to say wrong but I think you can change and you can move mountains by doing what you are doing because just that tiny conversation that you might have had, that change of heart that somebody listening to you or talking to you might have had and the ripple effect that that can cause is yeah. what's running these mountains. So, yeah. you know. You're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's, it's very important that we, you know, we try to understand people's differences as human beings because ultimately we are just human beings. Uh, conversations are good to be had just to understand another po- person's point of view in terms of a situation. We're not always going to agree, but let's be open um, to, to having the conversation. So Charlotte, do you think that times have changed since your childhood to now regarding that racial equality? I'd like to say yes. Um, so as a society, we are definitely more diverse when growing up, there were, there were rare instances uh, or examples of uh, what I would consider to be successful black role, uh, sorry, role models. Um, so, but, but today, there, there are uh, there, there are many. Unfortunately, I think we still need to work harder to get representation into boardrooms. You know, if, if you look at the FTSE 100, I think there's only about a three percent minority representation across the, 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 the thousand most powerful Britons. You know. There's work to do there. Um, so I think although we're, we're making a transition, you know, into careers such as sports, acting, music, we definitely need more um, people of colour in um, roles such as, you know, politicians, barristers, tech entrepreneurs, those kind of things. That's a good point. So um, you've said you've grown up in Croydon and it's a massive borough, there is, of course, potential to get encouraged into less favourable behaviours. What do you think steered you onto the right path? I would say it's got to start with your upbringing, um, Fleur. Um, My mum always said to me, it's not a sin to be born poor, but it is a sin if you don't try to make something of yourself. Uh, So try to better yourself. Obviously, growing up on an estate can be challenging. uh, It can be hard. Um, but I had a lot of hobbies, you know. Um, I played a lot of sports school, played rugby, a box for a while. Um, I liked music, um, DJing. So there was a lot of a lot of activities that, which were able to kind of take my focus away from, you know, living on a council estate. But I was also very, very lucky to be surrounded by good people, people that took an interest in me. So I had some really good teachers. But I, I, I think, you know, similar to what you guys are doing, coaching I think it's really really good to to either get yourself a mentor or a coach and get somebody who's going to help challenge you take yourself outside that comfort zone and just lead you on the right path rather than you know be in a position where you can get caught up in crime or or something else 
It's not going to be favourable. And I think you raised two massive points there because obviously it took a lot of your will and intention to change that and to choose doing something that would get you on the so-called right path, which sometimes we forget, right? We think the things are just happening and we've got no other choice but to follow it. So I think actively choosing and knowing that whatever happens, you still have a choice to make is one of the key things. And you also raise the point of having someone that believes in you and having someone that is willing to help. And I think, again, sometimes, especially in, in nowadays culture, what is all about doing, 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 and we are in the, this speed race, we forget that humans are humans after all. And if you ask for help and if you kind of reach out, people will help. You mentioned there, obviously, reaching out. Um, it's, it's sometimes when you're in a challenging environment, it's, it's very easy to think the whole world's against you and, you know, you don't have any options. But generally there are, you know, a lot of good people out there willing to support you and, and help you on your, your journey to, to become a better person. Yeah, I totally believe in the human kindness and there is more kindness than evil in people. I know you've done work with young youths to help them not get involved in gangs. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so um, it all started uh, with um, with a business meeting at Croydon Council. Uh, I, I, I had a really, really good conversation with one of the decision makers I was engaged with. He mentioned to me that they were working with an organisation at the time called Youth at Risk and uh, they were looking for mentors. Uh, so mentoring was not something that I'd been you know, part of before. Um, so I was quite interested to understand how I could get involved with the program. Um, so I signed up, they put me on a few courses, and then I was uh, sent into a program which was um, over a course of 12 months. So it was uh, the program was actually designed to help disadvantaged kids who were at risk of making the wrong choices. Many of these Obviously, children were in schools around the borough of London and Croydon. So I was, I was assigned a, a, a mentee who was, oh gosh, 12, 12 years old at the time. And it was my job, really, to build a relationship, build rapport with him and just understand his day-to-day challenges. He came from a you know, disadvantaged background. And to, and to be fair, you know, that I found the first maybe three or four months really tough. I had a lot of trust issues, so... I was trying to gain his trust and also trying to give him advice. But we got there in the end and we, we formed a really, really good bond, really good relationship. The course, the overall project was actually quite success, successful um, because they secured another year of funding uh, from the Mayor of London at the time, who was Boris. So um, really, really worthwhile experience. I'm not currently doing it at the, it, it at the moment, but would love the opportunity to, to mentor in, in the future. Um, my advice to anybody out there who's got time to be a mentor and thinks that they can give something back to their community or individuals, please get involved because it's a really, really worthwhile course. And what a beautiful way of bringing together what we were saying earlier, isn't it? Caring for somebody and, and reaching out and helping. Definitely. So, Shola, you have two boys you mentioned. What do you say to them about Black Lives Matter, and uh, you know, what do you think we can do to help our children grow up with racial equality? 
Yeah, so so we, we have a lot of open conversations in our household. Uh, I've always said to both my ch- children, uh, the eldest one's 12 and the youngest one's seven, you know, if, if you're ever unsure about anything, you know, let's 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 just ask me or or ask your mum. And we talked about, you know, Black Lives Matter, what they thought about the movement or racism. Uh, the youngest one was quite funny. He just he just thinks, you know, racism is completely stupid. He doesn't have a, a great kind of overview of it, but he just he's, he believes it's stupid because his friends he's, are his friends. He's a good point there, Shola. I'm with him. Absolutely. And, and, and generally, that's what you'll find with, with, with young kids. You know, there, there isn't any barriers around skin colour. You know, their friends are their friends and they love them for who they are. And luckily, like you say, my eldest one, he's grown up in, in an environment and he's currently at a school which he loves and enjoys. And he's got a really, really good circle of friends around him um, who all support him and uh, his views on, on, on racism. Just so you're aware, both of my boys are of, of, of um, mixed heritage. Uh, my wife's Polish, so uh, they are mixed race. And we talk about them having the best of both worlds. You know? <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, they're, 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 they've got a good view on, you know, life, a good view on, you know, race. Um, we try to educate them about both of their cultures, you know, from their mum's side and also uh, my side and try to give them an open platform to, to have conversations about anything that they're unsure about. They copy what they see. And if they see, you know, you doing good things and behaving in the right way, mum and dad, that they copy. So they know the way to behave, you know, and they, and they feel valued. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so Shola, what is the one question you wished we had asked you that we haven't? Oh, very good question. What do I hope the landscape would look like in 10 years from now? I think, you know, if we could fast forward 10 years and racism wasn't an issue, you know, there was equality for everybody, that would be a utopia to live in. It would be a a really, really great place to be. Do I think it will happen? I I, I don't. Um, And that's not me being negative. I think it's going to take some time, but I think, you know, as you said, the, the, the hope is within the youngsters. Um, if we can, you know, continue to educate, continue to have really, really good conversations, continue to break down barriers, uh, continue to understand thoughts and feelings, then I think we'll be on the right track. I think you made a good point there. It's about understanding thoughts and feelings and emotions, not reacting and like you've done, you've come from a higher place. That's a high level of emotional intelligence is to control yourself and not react when you're treated badly, but show your better side. Thanks. And the education, I think, like, you know, we were just calling on the question before, but I think that definitely will make a difference. And I think that is up to us as parents right now to start making an active point of that and understanding that what we show to our children, not just what we teach them, but what we show to them is going to have a direct impact in the way they perceive the world and they act and react in the world. So I think that is our responsibility as well. And we should step up to that challenge for that future generation and for that more equal place that we would have. And I would say to my children, the one thing you just remember is you treat people how you expect to be treated. It's a very simple mantra. You know, I've always said to my two, be good individuals, but also be accountable. You know, understand that for every action that you, 
you put out there, there's going to be a reaction. So understand what you're doing is the right thing. And it is about, you know, that basic, you know, right from wrong. You know, I, I, like you say, well, I'll go back to it. I grew up on a council estate. You know, there were challenges. You know, we didn't always have money. The, the, the one thing my parents taught me were to know and recognize the difference between what's right and wrong. Well, another amazing conversation with such a lovely man living in his true values. We will put his social media channels in our comments. Thank you so much for joining us for one more week. Thanks for showing us your love and appreciation and please share the love. Share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit from it. Like, leave a comment and subscribe. We look forward to seeing you next time. And in the meantime, stay well, stay safe and stay inspired. Much love.